welcome to the greatest event in human history. Check your watch, check your diary, remember where you were when the 2014 World Cup kicked off. Yes, you were right here listening to the Trust the Wizards World Cup special. Shoot the globe up to the sun and watch it burn, baby, burn. Half man, half biscuit. Bob Wilson, anchor man. So all the best to Bob Wilson and welcome to the Trust the Wizards World Cup Special. I'm Rebel Ricky and I am joined by a classy ball playing fullback who has license to roam and his twinkle toes and samba stepovers beguile holding midfielders who are powerless to stop the marauding mazy charge upfield where he nutmegs the pig snorting centre half and pirouettes into the opposing half and look at him go. He's dribbling, he's dribbling, he's dribbling, he's dribbling, he's dribbled. Clean that up. Kicker of elves. You're not singing anymore. And from the old school that doles out hard knocks as regular as Nigel Farage doles out burly concealed racist cliches, he patrolled the back line like a bull with the bone, like a cheetah with no home, like a bling and a sing with a telephone ring. A lion of fire up Zion, shoot up from the roof. Chucka, chucka, chucka. Chorizo Garbanzo. But what else say? And this is a very special occasion. It's the World Cup special. It's a, it's a celebration of our total obsession with football. Yeah. But as well as the quality items coming your way that are related to football, World Cup, etc., we also have the naming of the official rock song for Shepherd's Bush. Ooh. That's it. WA12 gets it tonight. But first... I was born on the day Leeds United won the League Cup with Terry Cooper scoring the winner against Arsenal. I don't remember the victory in the FA Cup final four years later with that Clark 1-0 commentary, or the defeat to Sunderland and that twat in the hat the following year. I don't remember us winning the league in 1974 or losing the European Cup final in 1975, although I am pretty damn sure that we were cheated out of it. No, being a Leeds United fan started for me on Saturday 30th of October 1976 when my dad finally relented and took me to my first game at Elland Road. Of course, it had to be Arsenal, and of course we won. 2-1, with a goal by Trevor Cherry that I don't remember, and one from Joe Jordan that I do. 
I also remember the green of the pitch the first time I saw it, a green that didn't seem real, and the noise of the crowd. Oh, the noise of the anger and the frustration and the ecstasy and the relief. I loved it. I wanted to be part of that gang, because it was a gang. We all wore the same colours, and everyone else was against us. But fuck them! Fuck all of them, because we are Sparta FC!
da 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 I used to live in Shepherd's Bush, very near QPR's ground. I wish I'd have quit for every time I've met someone who claims to have been involved personally, or else knows someone who was involved in the vandalism of the Blue Peter Garden. And this isn't just a local Shepherd's Bush thing. Before I even moved to that area, I'd met loads of people claiming the same thing. And that's just the people I'd spoken to. There must be loads of other people out there who claim to be in the know about this mysterious incident. This leads me to two possible conclusions. Number one, the wrecking of the Blue Peter Garden was planned with military precision and was carried out by literally hundreds of errant youths, or miscreants. Number two, all these people are bullshitting. Some years ago, QPR legendary number nine, Sir Les Ferdinand, a Shepherd's Bush boy, formerly a pupil at the Hammersmith School by the Westway, very close to Loftus Road, he was being interviewed and he was asked about his wild youth alongside his former classmate, the famous pantomime dwarf, Dennis Wise. No nominative determinism there, boys. Asked about the Blue Peter Garden, he said that he might have helped some people, including Wising, over the wall. This throwaway comment has been haunting Sir Les ever since. To quote the man himself, it was just a joke that got out of control. I've never vandalised anything in my life. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Vandals broke into the Blue Peter Garden and caused rather a lot of damage. They then smashed up our sundial and then callously threw it into the pond. Well, if that wasn't enough, they then trampled on the bedding plants as well. But it's very sad to think that a few people take such pleasure from harming their fellow human beings. People who do this sort of thing must be madly ill, Janet, mustn't they? I think so. Just little children, who can it be? Look, it's Les and his friends on a wrecking spree. Pissing in the pond and behind the tree. Little Les Ferdinand filled with glee. He of the Easter Island head has just walked through the flower bed. Now he's heading for the potting shed to call a spade a spade. Les, 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 what are you doing, son? Look at the damage that you've done. I know you're only young and having fun, but look at the mess you've made. As you ran around the lawn testing your fitness, the blue Peter rabbit was the only witness. But there's a wall of silence inside the hutch, because the rabbit these days, he don't say too much. the nation's favourite children's garden, Les. <laughs> you scaled the fence and ran amok Left the nation's kids numb with shock 
Innocence lost and tears have been shed Caused by the boy with the Easter Island head Hide your tools inside, there's no time left to ponder Put your hoe in the bedroom, it's a double entendre The trimmer, the trimmer, and punctured the hose. I kicked all the heads off the garden gnomes. What will he do next? Nobody knows. It's little less better than whoops. There he goes. Look good in years to come After all the plaudits that you've won You're lucky the rabbit's still keeping stum But little Les, we know you were there Now you're older and more aloof You smile when you think of your misfed youth There is no evidence, there is no proof Only you and the rabbit know the truth discuss about football is in the end it's personal i know that we sit in crowds of one to hundred thousand with worldwide television audiences but at its root it's you and your relationship with the team or you and your relationship with one player or a hundred thousand of you and your relationship with one player now that could work well for a team or an individual or it can be completely overwhelming And as a supporter, it is my duty to try and undermine the fragile individuals on the opposing side. And noting that Graham Lasseau was a bit effeminate, or that Nicky Barmy was an outsider, and that Jason Lee had a pineapple on his head, is all grist to the mill. But in truth, the real dysfunctional relationship is our relationship with our own players. Take, for example, the attractive ball-playing centre-half, Man Mountain, that I've been in a relationship with for the last four years. I say in a relationship because he's my centre-half and we've just split up. And it was him, it was not me. He possessed the talent to play for the full England side in 2005 and was a regular Premier League footballer for a decade when joining us, but he had something of the night about him. The particular part of the night that Zat struggled with was going to sleep while on the pitch. To be fair, in the periods when he was on form, he was as good as anyone. And the fact that he was six foot six and built like a brick outhouse gave him an edge. But when you see strikers running through on goal and notice that Zat is not moving, <laughs> that's not struggling to get the ball, but literally not paying attention, you wonder if the £20,000 a week might be better spent on, say, a donkey. Fast forward to New Year's Day 2014. Zat is being pursued by a Middlesbrough striker and the ball is bouncing awkwardly, but unperturbed he chips the ball over the striker's head and turns, leaving the striker on his arse and with the ball at his feet. You could almost feel his chest expand with pride as he nonchalantly passes the ball across the penalty area to his defensive partner. However, he didn't seem to see the onrushing centre forward in between them and instead gives the ball to them so they can run to the penalty spot and score. <laughs> Two minutes later, 
facing the same situation, he's lost a bit of confidence. He decides to play a safe ball to the keeper. I can only assume that the call to play the ball to the left was mixed up in whose left-hand side this referred to. In any case, Zap passed it to the goalie's right as the goalkeeper charged to their left. The ball trickled helplessly towards the goal. Zap 2, Bolton 0. To say the crowd turned on him would be an understatement. 20,000 people stood up and jeered as Zap stood helplessly, arm raised in recognition in the air. Game lost. His complete liability status confirmed. Lowest point of his life? I would like to think so. There then followed the most remarkable passage of play, as initially every time he touched the ball, the ground exploded with jeers and catcalls. Then, when the realisation struck that we had no other centre-halves on the bench and we had a further 70 minutes to play, and how many own goals did Zat have him in? Oh no. So the crowd reluctantly started to break out in contrived ironic praise of his every touch, at first in small groups to challenge the jeers, then more people came on board, until the whole stadium erupted with over-the-top celebrations every time he played a two-yard pass. Then the most amazing thing happened. He started to play really well and continued that form through the rest of the season, and the team picked up 36 points, which if they had not been so poor for the first half of the season, would have given them a playoff spot. QED, it's personal. Here's a harrowing and moving story about Pete Green's relationship with Phil Jevons about his time at Grimsby. So here's Pete Green with the ballad of Phil Jevons. How can I object to you if you score four times in an afternoon? Well, fill your boots are white, but if you fill your boots like that, we'll forgive that shite. Finishing was really quite sublime The Barnsley fans were leaving at half-time A Scouser's work is never done And when you sign from Everton Well, you've got a gem at Liverpool But got yourself shipped out on land to home a lazy sod of just a nervous wreck A 35-yard millstone round your neck And you and me are just a pair of slackers We're gonna carry on until they sack us Four grand a week with bonuses I would say the onus is on you To justify that salary It took a run in the reserves to make you see Motivated not by groves but fear Scoring goals and saving your career Shrugged his shoulders as the mariners went down And then he boogered off to Yeovil Town This next song's not really about football 
but a memorable match from the 1998 World Cup features heavily in the storyline, and indeed the title, England 2, Columbia 0, by the late, great Kirsty McCall. Kirsty was a brilliant songwriter, and many of her best songs are in the Love Gone Wrong type, type, type songs, like Dear John, All I Ever Wanted, I'm Afraid, Don't Come the Cowboy With Me, Sonny Jim. Every one of those lyrics, keeping you on the edge of your seat, often suddenly affected by possibly having something in your eye. From Kirsty's mum's Jean's book, Sun on the Water, and she quotes in there uh, Kirsty's drummer, the ex-Rats, Aztec camera drummer, uh, currently in Dexie Sky, Dave Ruffy, and he says, I remember, I remember being at Bosborough studio when Kirsty came in. I knew she'd been on a date the night before, so I just said, how was your date? Shit, she said. But I've written a song about it. Three 
here in the Trust the Wizards podcast, we tend to support unfashionable clubs. Although I think I support the most unfashionable club of us all. If you're wondering if you support an unfashionable club, here are some common indicators, usually best observed if you reach the highest level of the English game, the Premiership. Firstly, there will be endless complaints about your style of play. Too physical, long ball, parking the bus, etc. Usually when you have the cheek to gain a draw, or God forbid, a win. You will only be in the first half of the highlight packages because you are playing a fashionable club. For fashionable, read rich club. If not, regardless of the result, you're likely to be the last on. Decisions, home and away, will not go your way. I watched a tackle once at Old Trafford when our defender came up with the ball at his foot. It was impossible to award a penalty, yet that's exactly what happened. And months later, the referee apologised. Thanks a bunch. When Barnsley were relegated, the manager submitted a video of all the bad decisions that were unjustly given against his team. Of course, this was written off as sour grapes. The pundits will blatantly dismiss you and obviously wish relegation on you. This is often very subtle, but then occasionally exposes itself when West Ham were habitually threatened with relegation and their media buddies came out to say how they should not get relegated because of their rich history and tradition. And even when they break the law and field inevitable players, they really should be given another chance. But the thing is, we, the unfashionable world, would not have it any other way. We know that what success we enjoy will be achieved the right way, through hard work and enlightened endeavour. We know that we scoured the estates of our town for kids with talent and that nurtured them through and encouraged them. We know that for everyone that succeeds, thousands benefited from the experience gained, football and life skills that benefit our community. We know that our club respected our fans and our community. We know that we got success, but our club door was always open and we were always honest. Let's face it, we're basically a democratic collective almost picking a team by the popular vote. Surprising, really, but by the time we were relegated, we were £150 million in debt. But that's why the World Cup is so special, because these are all our players. Fashionable, let's say it again, rich clubs and their supporters complain that letting their players play for England is like lending us their assets. But here's some news for you rich club supporters. No, these boys share our blood and our allegiances. And they supported England before they supported your cash-rich corporation, limited by guarantee, that's propped up by a corrupt foreigner or a mountain of dodgy debt. In fact, they don't even support your club. Wayne Rooney, of course, supports Everton. So come on and join us on the world stage. We are all unfashionable now, and here is your chance to do it the right way, with players that have come from your tough and been developed through your scheme and come through your ranks. See how good it feels, not just buying success, but doing it the right way and how much it hurts when you taste defeat, which, as an England fan, you will inevitably do a couple of weeks into the tournament. As preparation, you can have a glimpse of what it's like supporting a real football club. Here is Helen Love and the Super Furry Animals with a cheesy tune, stupid lyrics and a chaotic sound as their beloved Cardiff City misbehave by having the temerity to get to the cup final. Here is Cardiff City Superstars Mix. Yellow, white, stripe, and a nice light. 
podcast we've been concerned about the plight of democracy in our country uh, and to that end we've launched a campaign nay a mission to regenerate rejuvenate and reboot democracy in this country and we think the best way to do this is with the power of rock and roll so we're giving every location city town and county in this country its own official rock song and tonight's the turn of Shepherd's Bush, hey. who will get a tune that its citizens can march behind and become the citizens they always wanted to be. So now, for W12, the official rock song is... Papa's got a brand new pig bag by Pig Bag. Now this was nominated by Sharitho Garbanzo. He's not going to explain to us why Papa's got a brand new pig bag is the official... Papa's got a brand new pig bag is the official rock song for Shepherd's Bush. Uh, yeah, I'm still in a bit of shock at that. Uh, the, the, the news. The, the Copley who just arrived in here, or wherever he was from. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he, thug. He, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, for fuller details on exactly why this is uh, the anthem for Severus Bush, uh, I've written a blog post about this, which you can read on our website, www.trustthewizards.com. Also on www.loftforwords.co.uk, the QPR fans site. Loft, as in Loftus Road, not Lost. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's the it's the song. That's it's the QPR anthem. This is uh, mm. a few years ago. We went to uh, the Millennium Stadium for a playoff final, and those sensitive souls of Cardiff City uh, didn't really appreciate the. God did you say the, shitty? I, I, I think I did. I, didn't, <laughs> I actually didn't mean it to. It was Freudian. I actually didn't mean to. Uh, but yeah, um, those guys mm. uh, they didn't approve of the. Um, English national anthem. They're quite happy to play in the English league and yeah, take all the money that they would get from doing that, but they don't want the English national anthem when they get to any kind of final. 
So they wouldn't allow God Save the Queen, and uh, they got to choose their anthem, which was that um, Ryan Giggs fucks his mother. That one. Uh, And uh, all the Welsh, they fuck each other, fuck off back to Wales. You know the one. Yeah. Hello to all our Welsh listeners. I might might add at this point that my dad is Welsh, so uh, hello. So it's all right then. Yeah, I'm allowed to. Yeah, I'm allowed to. Some of my best friends are Welsh. That's perfectly okay. Yeah. I was uncomfortable for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and in response, we played. Oops. As we do. Fantastic. So there you have it. And now all of Shepherd Bus will be Martin Bush, Bush, Butts, Bus will be marching to that tune. football song ever written. And according to the songwriter, it's not even a song about football. I first heard the Limerick band, The Hitches, as with so many bands, on John Peel's radio programme, where their song Strachan made the festive 50 in 1997. It starts with the immortal line, she waited for the match to start to start a fight up with me. She said, what's that you're watching? It's a programme about art. And frankly, it had me at that point. But then it turns out the Limerick lads are Leeds fans. And the song in question features the Mighty Whites, the proper Mighty Whites. I've loved the song since I first heard it, despite being confused by the details of the match being described. There's a snippet of commentary at the end of the song of a Leeds Villa game, and the players players mentioned in the lyrics, Lukic out to Weatherall and Weatherall to Dorigo, Dorigo knocks it onto Fairclough, Fairclough looks for speed, to Strachan now puts Kelly through, to the waiting Rodney Wallace who knocks it back to Dean, and now the Dean machine to McAllister, as well as Gordon Strachan of course, all played together more or less in the 1993-1994 season. What about Strachan's hat-trick? Well, that came on April the 10th, 1993, in a 5-2 win over Blackburn. Lots of holes in their defence, apparently, but with a different squad of players. So what the fuck is going on? Fortunately, said songwriter Niall Quinn was able and willing to spill the beans. And he's told us this. About Strachan. The early incarnations of the Hitches had a reputation for songs with very long titles. I wanted to book that trend a bit, and also I was on a big wedding present buzz at the time. And they had Shatner, so I said, I'll have a bit of that. So it actually started out with just the title, Strachan, a blank canvas from there. So in 1992, I quickly filled that canvas with a very poor knockoff of Teenage Fan Club Star Sign and lost interest in it for about two years. I came back to it somewhat sentimentally around the time Strachan moved on to become Coventry's player manager. The one good thing that had come from the original version was that the song wasn't about football. The football match was in the background and there was something else going on in the foreground and that the football kept interrupting. So I ran with that. I'd also gotten on a bit of a Rock Island line buzz and used that to totally reset the tone and tempo. So it ultimately became a sort of a snowballing stomper after the hitches stopped putting up with me doing it on my own at my uh, gigs and said, let's sort this silly song out. The team listed is rather improbable, and the game never happened. Although, coincidentally, Leeds walloped Coventry City on my 21st birthday, which is around the time I rewrote it. In the song, Gary Kelly got a run-out because his surname rhymes with Telly, and he completely skewed the possible dates, narrowing it down to one of just four matches in late 93. 
If I'd used John Newsome instead, I could have rhymed with gruesome. But I'm glad I didn't use an obvious title-winning 11 from 1992, because then it'd just be a Leeds United song, when technically it's probably not about football at all, or Strachan for that matter. It is, and this is me speaking now, a fucking great song. This is Strachan by The Hitchers. Start. 
puts it across the base of the goal. What a fantastic song that is. Um, by the way, I also asked Niall uh, how a boy from Limerick ended up supporting Leeds United, and he had this to say. I wasn't very interested in football as a kid, mainly because I was no good at it. I did support, look out, QPR for a few years though, from the age of seven, because my mum somehow found and bought me a school bag with their name on it. I still have my, the Sabutio team and all. My older brothers followed Leeds, and when I found my way back to football in my teens, I guess I threw my lot in with Leeds as well at that point. We do have football here in Ireland, and I follow my hometown, good lad, Limerick FC, in the League of Ireland Premier Division, but it's a completely different experience of following a big club. You do realise he's calling Leeds a big club. The football itself is quite a good standard, but the setup is semi-pro, so you'll usually find Irish folks follow a UK team, and hopefully their local side as well. The most popular here would be Man U, Liverpool, Celtic, and then probably Arsenal. Thereafter, you have plenty of lead supporters here, and in recent years, and I particularly like this phrase, a creeping, seeping blight of, yes, the C word, Chelsea and City as well. He also goes on, in, a, in an interview that I found on, uh, on the internet, to answer two more burning questions. The first one is, have you ever met Gordon Strachan? And he says, no. But we've come very close on a couple of occasions. He was 50 feet away from us at the Phoenix Festival, but behind a security barrier. Oh, better call. And of course the next question is, do you know whether he has heard the song? He has, and apparently quite likes it. I've spoken to him a few times on the phone. Quite likes it? It described him as some sort of footballing god. Quite likes it? Ah, uh, well, there's Gordon Strachan for you. The first World Cup I can remember was Argentina 1978. I was seven years old and caught up in all the excitement of the theme song, the colours, the exotic names of the footballers. Daniel Passarella, Dominique Rocheteau, Teofio Kubilas, Mario Kempes, isn't it? Mm, Marvellous. Hans Krankel, Willy van der Kerkhoff, René van der Kerkhoff, Ron Rensenbrink, Johnny Rep, Ari Hahn, Lou Macari, Small Boys in the Park, Hunters for Goalposts. England weren't in the World Cup in 78, so I jumped on board the Scottish bandwagon and went on the march with Ali's army. I have no connection with Scotland whatsoever. I've never been to Scotland. I've got no family ties to Scotland. But I did have a kid in my class at school who I was quite friendly with, and he was called Ewan McClare. And it doesn't get much more Scottish than that. I was blissfully unaware of the old enemy rivalry between England and Scotland, Presumably, most of England back then were hoping that Scotland would fail miserably. But not me. I was gutted when they inevitably did fail miserably. Uh, But then I decided to follow their conquerors in the last match, the Dutch, instead. A team, and indeed a country, I still support in tournaments to this day. Hoop! Holland hoop! In 1982, England did qualify, and I loyally supported them, whilst maintaining my soft spot for Scotland, Holland and a country for which I do actually have some family ties to, Italy. 
I bought the official England song on double A side seven inch picture disc. And that <laughs> sound you can hear is uh, my colleague Kicker of Elves going slightly hard at the thought of a seven inch <laughs> picture disc. Can you remember what the song was called, the 1982 song, boys? No. No. This time, of course, this it's time, done. Any other time, any other time, this, that, and f- but back with "Fly the Flag." Yes, do you remember that one? I think it was based on the, on a on a song that was in a BA advert at the time. Anyway, but once I saw this next song on top of the pops, I went out and bought that one as well. Possibly the greatest World Cup song of all time. Certainly the first so- uh, football song I ever heard which had any humour in it. Written by B. A. Robertson. Scotland Springsteen? No. Maybe not. This is the uh, 1982 Scotland World Cup squad featuring John Gordon Sinclair. We have a dream. Oh, I pray. 
Well, I've been inspired by that song, and I've come up with a Scotland 1982 football squad quiz. Hey! Yes, it's that time again. <laughs> so, the, the very simple 22-man squad that Scotland had in 82, um, and we're going to go one at a time, okay. and I'm going to you, tell you the position yep. the, uh-huh. player, the player had. Uh, and who they played for at that time yep. Yep. and you need to tell me who that player is okay. okay who's going first so the first one is the easiest one so we'll start with Ricky give him a chance okay right. so uh, the goalkeeper for Scotland in 1982 played for Partick Thistle his name was Alan Ruff is correct oh, very good yeah. um, defender playing played for Celtic uh, well, there was probably more than one defender playing for Celtic, was there, in the no, squad? No. Uh, hmm. uh, and what was his name? Danny McGrain? Very good, oh, yes. Good God. Yeah, Chirito comes in there. Okay, Rebel. Uh, another defender played for Leeds United. Ooh. Gordon McQueen? Uh, not correct. Oh. Do you want to steal? Um, played for Leeds United. Defender playing for Leeds United in 82. No. Sorry. I'm very disappointed in both of you, obviously. That's Frankie Gray. Oh, right. Oh, right, yeah. yeah of course, yeah. OK, uh, so, Chirito, it's your go. Uh, midfielder played for Liverpool. Sooners? Yes. Correct. Uh, defender played for Liverpool. Alan Hansen. Is correct. It's very close. Yes. Yeah. Defender played for Aberdeen. Oh, um, the McLeish. Alex McLeish? Or was that too... He might not be 82. Yeah, you can have that. Yeah. And there's another one, another defender. Aberdeen. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Is it? Can I have another? You can still, yeah. Is it Doug Rugby? Uh, no, it's Man. not. No, it was <laughs> Willie Miller. Oh right. Mm. He was the captain. Lifted the European Cup, I think. Willie Miller. Yeah, I think might be right. Yeah, yeah. Might be right. Yeah. Uh, no. Yes, Rebel. Um, midfielder playing for Aberdeen at the time. Oh. Brian McClare. <laughs> <laughs> no. Stracken? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> me. Okay. Uh, midfielder playing for Liverpool. Is it my go? Yes, it is. And it's not Sooners. No, you've already had that. Um, steel, steel. Uh, well, I wouldn't really call him a midfielder, but Dalglish. Y- yes. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a striker, isn't he? Sure. Yeah, played behind the forwards. Well, yeah, he's both. So, uh, yeah. you're, you're they probably asked him what he was and they couldn't understand the replies. That's just probably known as midfielder. <laughs> okay, forward playing for Ipswich Town. Mm. Ooh. I don't know. Later played for QPR, I think, maybe, if it's the same guy I'm thinking of. It's only Paul Mariner I've got, it's not him. Mm. Well, again, I would, it's either someone who isn't actually a forward, who had a moustache, famously has a moustache and played for a very long time who yeah. I would say is a midfielder yeah. not him not him ok Alan Brazil then is Alan yeah. Brazil is correct let's yeah. play for QPR with uh, and, and crack ok I think it's your, your turn now okay. yeah. so can, can you tell me who that uh, midfielder who played for Ipswich is John Walk he's correct oh. ok an easy one for you Rebel yeah. uh, a forward although I'd, I'd possibly say midfielder um, playing for Nottingham Forest winger Oh, right. Not Robertson. Yes, it's yeah, correct. Oh, Jim Robertson, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, we've got ooh, reserve goalkeeper. Is this me now? Yes. Reserve goalkeeper. Well, uh, I've got an <laughs> idea. <laughs> well, behind Alan Ruff, there's actually there's another goalkeeper as well, but the goalkeeper pl- who played for Arsenal. Uh, well, it's not Bob Wilson Anchorman because it was too late for him. 
Uh, and he was English. <laughs> well, no, he played for Scotland, then. Did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, goalkeeper played for Arsenal. Lukic wasn't Scot- Scottish. Was he? No, it was too, too early for him. Too early for him. Uh, oh, not Pat Jennings? Uh, I, no, don't know. George Wood. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play for Arsenal very much, did he? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Rebel. Uh, a defender who played for Dundee United. No idea. Paul McStay? No. no. David Nery. Oh, right, yeah. Didn't he score against Brazil, I think, in the next World Cup? Possibly. Yeah. Uh, Chirito. Forward playing for AC Milan. Joe Jordan. He's correct. Mm. Uh, Ricketts. Mm. A midfielder playing for Manchester City. Oh, S. Harford. Very good, yes. Oh. Um, Chirito, defender playing for Aston Villa. Oh, um, look. No. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, Evans. Although, although it could Evans. get, funnily enough, yes. Evans. Yes. Yeah. You're going to give me the first Alan? name? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Okay, uh, Rebel. Uh, forward playing for Tottenham. Oh, I know that one. No idea. No? No. Steve Archibald. He's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, well, I'll give him that to the... I like this quiz. Yeah, I mean, you've got that. <laughs> Chirito, okay, we've got a forward playing for Dundee United. Um, Possibly better known as a manager these days. Oh, um, the guy who was at Plymouth. Yeah. Um, fuck, I can't remember his name. The guy who was manager at Plymouth. Yeah, I don't He's called Paul, Paul what's something. Paul McStay. Paul McLeish. Stuart. Oh yeah. Sturridge. Sturridge. Sturrock. Sturrock. I'm doing that to need it in you. Yeah, I think. That's fair. Okay, we've got three left. It's very exciting. I'll add them up afterwards. Uh, Rebel. Uh, A midfielder playing for Celtic. No idea. Okay. Roy Atkin. Uh, No, Davy Proven. Oh right. Okay. Uh, Okay. Chirito, a defender, played for Ipswich. George Burley. Is correct. And the final one then is the third goalkeeper of the group. Jim Layton. He's correct! Oh, good. <laughs> was, he, was he Aberdeen at the time? He was playing for Aberdeen, yes. So we've got Rebel, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Five out of tw- <laughs> And Chirito, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So Yay. that's an eleven five win for QPR over Bolton. What do I win? Price. Nothing but a lot of friends. You can, and a, you can a have the team sheets. <laughs> you want my opinion? He's in a rut. Oh well, if you want mine, he's in the groove. I was a teenage armchair Honved fan, and all I want for Christmas is a Duke of Prague away kit. The referee's alphabet, Vatican broadside, even men with steel hearts. Dead men don't need season tickets. Mathematically safe. Mars Ultras, you'll never make the station. All fantastic football-related tunes from the bard of the Wirral, Nigel Blackwell. But my favourite is still this one. For all the filthy reactionary scum, it's Friday night and the gates are low by Half Man, Half Biscuit. When I had my lot converted the neighbours came around the scoffed and called me retro. But they are the type.
inspired me uh, this time to do some research into Friday night football attendances oh right okay very good yes uh, disappointingly it took me away from Tramia Rovers yeah. um, and I ended up at All at Sea A or possibly the Southend United fanzine ah. um, and an article by Andrew Roach entitled Friday night football is a bone of contention at Roots Hall which <laughs> sounds like a half man half biscuit yeah. Yeah. Anyway. and his worthy question was is it worthwhile for Southend to keep scheduling games on a Friday night? Mm. Using the excellent, that's his word, <laughs> Southend United database, he found the following. Since the start of the 2001-2002 season, Southend have played 215 games on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Or a Saturday. Of these, 17.7%, 38 games, were on a Friday night. This is very nearly two whole seasons of Friday night home games. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. If you take the average attendance of a Saturday of, of Saturday games over that period, which was an average of six thousand three hundred and twenty-eight, who watched Southend on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and you compare that to those who watched them on the Friday night, 
the average crowd on a Friday was 6,857. So on average, over 500 more people go to Friday night games. Mm. So take that, Blackwell, <clears throat> Crossley, Hancock and Henry. Friday night and the gates are high. Ah. Indeed. There you go. Well, yeah. I think you lost me when you mentioned Roots Hall. I mean, <laughs> when you started talking about numbers, I, I kind of uh, drifted off there for a minute. But what a great song. What a great song. One, one of many great songs about football. What I like about that one is it kind of gets to the crux of the matter. Mm. A discussion I know we've had before about football. You know, we, without wishing to sound like a bunch of stupid old men sitting around moaning. But, God, but, but, but you know, that is what we are. Um, but... Football isn't the same, and mm. it's, it, you know, sit back and let us watch us die of entertainment. It says in there, yeah, because it's, you know, it's the greatest league in the world. Yeah, well, well, to be yeah. fair, it's only your team was in the greatest. Well, league. you know, they were not going to be that. Only just. Really. <laughs> um, uh, it was fucking awful last time we were there. Um, uh, you know, and, and all that stuff about stick a burger in my mouth, shove a sweet uh, beneath my ass. You know, <laughs> am I supposed to be at home? I can't stand anymore because I can't stand anymore. I I think there's there's a lot in that. I I have to say that although I don't miss being pushed over and and trampled upon, Mm. there's something to be said for the lack of atmosphere. There is, there is, yeah. yeah. It's not the same as it was when we first... Well, I mean, you know, at Burnden Park... Would famously, at certain points of the games, the toilets would overflow, and there'd be a river of piss hmm. coming down the stands with steam coming off it. It's and you're getting nostalgic for that, aren't you? Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, mm. it's all too sanitary these days. We, 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 I wondered why you wouldn't let me go to your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you talked about the the, the, re, um, the burden burden roar, roar yeah. and, now, and now of course you've got the Reebok squeak. I think it's more the Reebok groan, don't you? Well, yeah, <laughs> Endless so. groans. Now, there's a football team mentioned in, in that song we just heard. Was there? Yes. Jeunesse. Yes, yeah. Jeunesse Esch. Who are they then? Well, uh, I was hoping you could tell me. Right. I'm, yeah, look, I'm looking at Rebel Ricket here. He'll yeah. know. No. His, his encyclopedic knowledge no. of European football. It sounds French. And you're not far off. That's Swiss. Luxembourgian. Luxembourgian. Do they speak yes. French in Luxembourg? They do, yeah. Amongst other things, right. I think they do, yes. Uh, who have won the Luxembourg League title 28 times between 1921 and 2010, the most of any team in Luxembourg. That must mean the Luxembourg league title is is, is not uh, sort of you know not like Spain or, or you know or Portugal where it's or, or two in, teams. Or indeed England where only two or three teams ever bloody win it. No, um, very open yeah. league. Unless there's some other team that's won it like eighty five <laughs> times in the last hundred years. Yeah, uh, every year that Jeunesse Desch have not won it, mm. it's been won by you know Luxembourg Rovers. Trust the anthem for Bolton Wanderers, Here We Go Again. And it was rousing because it had a moment in it where all the crowd joined in and chanted, and chanted Bolton and it also said that the burned and roar which seemed incredibly loud. Uh, but listening back to it, it's a quite apologetic song. It actually says we're going to try and win rather than we, we are going to win. Also the title, Here We Go Again. Now this could be a call to arms or it could be an admission that we're hopeless junkies who, despite our better judgment, return once again to the misery of our addiction. And let's face it, it's a bit of both. Also, it talks about Jim, our captain. Well, 
Jim wasn't our captain, and to my knowledge, we've never had a captain called Jim. But I suppose he must have been there at some point. And the strangest thing about the song is that behind the tub-thumping Bolton Wanderer bits, there's a band who were desperate to launch into an improvised jazz set. But still, something within it captures the spirit of the team and captures the spirit of Bolton Wanderers. And when we stopped playing it, I think we were much the poorer for it, particularly as we started playing The Wanderer, which doesn't really fit, does it? No, the true song for Bolton Wanderers is this one. Here we go again. No idea. No, there's, there's no record of who the band was. I've Googled this, got no idea. Oh. I think right. it's the Chairman's friends. Right. We need to contact the club. Maybe it's JJ Okocha. That local lad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Jorkievs. Yeah. <laughs> now, since you are full of knowledge of Bolton, yes, yes. You'll, you'll be glad to know that I've got some Bolton facts in front of me. Excellent. Now, unfortunately, I'm not sure whether these facts are true or not, but uh, I'm assuming they are. Mm-hmm. But you, you might, might be able so to. So they might not be facts then? No, they might just, just be made sentences <laughs> with Bolton in them. Well, uh, is it true then that, uh, that Bolton is the. the the club that has spent the longest time of any in the top flight without winning the title? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Everton must be that club. Right, Everton, it's the 80s. Yeah. Oh, see, when did you last win anything? I'm not, I'm not sure we've ever won the title. There you go. Are we? Right. 
Yeah. Huh? So isn't that interesting? So well done, you. Yeah. That's depressing. Are you? I. Uh, Bolton's apparently is Britain's largest town. That's true. Yeah, is it? That's true. Yeah. Uh, are you aware of where the, the nickname the Trotters comes from? Because there's there's a lot of uh, doubt about. You had us. a player called Trotter. Did We've got one now. Season? We've yeah. got Liam Trotter now, but it's not come from there. No, we wouldn't name any, anything after him. Quite rare to have a, a player whose surname is the nickname of the club. No, yeah. Alan Peacock. Who did he play for? He played for Leeds. And are you called the Peacocks? We were back in the day. All right. Mm. Yeah, oh, but you know, uh, yeah. Hold on. And you just called the Whites. You called us, you yourselves the Whites. So, now. Right? Can I answer the no, question? Can I answer the question? No, can I answer the question though? I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, here's some suggestions. Now, I, I'm not saying this is true. Yeah. As you rightly point out, Teresa, they are just written down things. Yes, okay. So right. this is why Bartman called the trotters. Yeah, well, the, the it's a series of words written down. We, we don't know what it is really. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, Nick the trotters came from the local water supply. Which used to cause bad stomach ache. <laughs> That's one thought. <laughs> Give okay, me the yeah. trots, yes. Yeah. Well, possibly because one of the grounds used before the club settled at Burnley Park, Park yeah. Pikes Lane, yeah. right. uh, resided next to a piggery, causing players to have to trot through the pig pens to retrieve the ball if it went over the fence. Possibly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you aware of previous names of Bolton Wanderers? Christchurch, isn't it? Yes, Christchurch mm-hmm. was one, and yeah. also apparently Bolton Moses. Which Moses. would be, give you another player if they were called Bolton Mo- Remy Moses. Moses. Victor Moses. Remy Moses. Bolton Moses. Victor Moses. Yeah. You could have, yeah. Ed, Ed Moses. Ed Moses, or even Moses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says here the way Boltonians speak is not a speech impediment, but it's suggested to derive from having to speak over the sound of heavy machinery in the mills. In the mills, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, what, I they all shout then? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. No, no. <laughs> you what? There's a bit of that. You what is there? <laughs> I can't imagine that being true. <laughs> no, no, right. No. Okay. Uh, can you name the two managers that Bolton have had who have also managed Manchester City? Ian Greaves? No. Um, very popular one of them, I'm sure. One of them's very, very popular. Very popular. Well, certainly not Sam Allardyce. No idea. Megson? Gary Megson. Yeah. Did he manage Manchester City? Okay. And Bruce Rioch. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. He managed QPR as well. Did he? he did. Well, I say managed. <laughs> he, did, he, did a, he was at yeah, like the fag end of his career, that one. No, it was it? after he left Arsenal. Now, this last one, I do hope this is true, yeah. Yeah, but I've got a feeling it isn't. Mm-hmm. It says, up until the First World War, many northern clubs... You won't know about this, do yeah. you know? Many I was before the First World War. <laughs> many northern clubs still played in clogs. <laughs> <laughs> which could give a nasty injury to their opponent yes. hence the term a clogger and apparently Bolton were the last club to have a player playing in clogs and that was under that was under Big Sam wasn't it <laughs> more Bolton lies next time <laughs> now you mentioned there about uh, songs that teams run out to and uh, these days QPR ran out to the official anthem of London W12, as we discussed before. In the early 90s, when we were actually good, for a few years we used to run out to Tina Turner's Simply the Best, which everyone thought, you you may well grow, and everyone thought it was pretty embarrassing, but some of my mates still claim that the day we stopped running out to that was the day it all started to go wrong, (laughs) and and historically they might have have a point. 
And when I first started getting a QPR, the team would run out to a song called Queen's Park Rangers by the Loftus Roadrunners. It was a very cheesy 70s song, which had a chorus, Rangers, Queen's Park Rangers, over a very mid-70s glitter band mud type beat. And we only ever got to hear about 30 seconds of this song over an outdated, very tinny tannoy, and even then I could tell it wasn't very good. <laughs> Sometime in the late 90s, the magnificent Cherry Red label released a series of CDs curating records made by or closely associated with football clubs. And just here is my copy of QBR The Greatest. This CD gets played regularly on my, in my car on match days and the long hours on the motorways just zoom by. <laughs> on here, I discovered the B-side to the Loftus Roadrunner single, Loftus Roadrunners single, which I'm going to play in just a minute. Both sides of this 1977 single were written by the Loftus Roadrunners bassist, who was... Glenn Matlock? No, a good guess. Uh, he plays the bass and he's a QPR fan. Another bass player. Went on to be in quite a well-known band. Same kind of era. Bruce Thomas of The Attractions. Oh, wow. Right. Bruce Thomas. Mm. I, don't know, I don't think he's a QPR fan, but mm-hmm. I think he, he, was, he was in a band called The Roadrunners, based in the area... And they just had it. Someone said, do you want to write a song for QBR? And they went, yeah, OK. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so I think it's him singing. The Roadrunners band, originally, when they first started in the 60s, they had um, Paul Rogers, um, who was later Free. in Free and Bad yeah, Company, yeah. all right now, later went on to form his own QBR, Queen with Paul Rogers. QPR, yes, true. Sometimes referred to as QBR, <laughs> but amazingly. Yeah. Anyway, this next song is all about driving to QBR. Now, I doubt there's a football ground in the country as well served by public transport as Loftus <laughs> Road. There are um, tube stations. There are there's Shepherd's Bush, Shepherd's Bush Market, Goldhawk Road, uh, White City and Wood Lane. So that's five tube stations within 10, 15 minutes, easy walking distance from the ground. There's a Shepherd's Bush Overland Station. Pretty much every bus in West London goes through Shepherd's Bush Green at some point along its route. Uh, and... You know, so really, and there's nowhere to park anywhere around no. the ground. Uh, so really, you'd have to be an idiot, or, uh, or possibly an away fan, to, to want to drive to QPR. So, on the subject of idiots who like driving, uh, here to introduce the next song is Jeremy Clarkson, the ever-popular presenter, columnist, racist, friend of the Prime Minister, petrolhead, and knobhead. I'm very happy to say that this record was made by people who are not foreigners or gypsies. Go out and start up the car, put your foot on the gas and drive me down to QPR.
that's one of many QPR related songs and, and songs that use QPR as their muse. That's right, yeah. Um, so, Teresa, I was going to ask you, what, what can you tell me? Oh, you're passing me the, the CD, CD here. Is, QPR The Greatest, yes. Oh, there's, there's 30, 15 songs on it. I was quite surprised to learn. I mean, some of them, a lot of these are songs made by, um, you know, the, the QPR team of 1972 or the QPR oh, team right. of 1967 or whatever. And inside, on the inner sleeve, I was very surprised to, to discover, when I looked through the list of other releases, that there is no Leeds one and there is no Bolton one, which did surprise me, because mm. there's a lot of, there's about 25... Um, ones that were released by Cherry Red. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe if they did have the sleeve notes, it's might be able to tell you. London-centric bias. Obviously. Oh yeah, because there's, there's Celtic and Hearts They're and Newcastle and Middlesbrough <laughs> and all sorts. London, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I was going to ask, what, what can you tell me about Michael Nyman? I can tell you quite. He's a QPR fan. Yeah. He wrote a piece of music called The Final Score oh, many yeah. years ago, which was he's a, which was a kind of tribute to um, uh, Stan Bowles, really. Uh, they, they made a film. To you heard it? I have. They made a film to go along with it, which was shown on Channel Four. What's it like? Uh, it's typical Michael Nyman music. Really. Minimalist. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's lots of strings, as I recall. About Stan um, Bowles. Well, he wrote, he's a big QPR fan. Yeah. Right? I mean, he wrote the piece of music about QPR, uh, and they made this film to go with it, which was sort of interspersed with old clips of Stan Bowles and Jerry Francis, because that was kind of his era. Interspersed with a match, uh, I can remember it very well. It was a match where QPR beat Spurs. They came back from one 0 down to beat Spurs four one. They were scored a header, which was very rare. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Andy Sinton got a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was in the loft end, uh, but anyway, they showed clips from that match. <laughs> you, I bet you wish you'd never asked me. Well, yeah. no, 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 it's no, a follow up. Yeah. Well, I've got a quite, said, quite sorry, quite one, one other thing about Michael. Nam. Years ago, he said he was going to write. A, 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 he was especially going to compose a piece of music for Rangers to run out to. Yeah. And and it he still hasn't. He never has. So, Michael, if you're listening, Nyman, no, of course he's listening. Yeah, of course he's listening. Get, come on, Nyman, sort it out. Maybe but, he's written it, submitted it, and they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the bar's very high. Is it as good as simply the best bike you can tell? Well, there's a quote about, from, about that piece that, uh, from Michael Nyman himself, and he said, The score is a, excuse me, a straightforward set of variations of a four note bass line and is anthemic enough to lift QPR immediately back to the Premier League. All right. Well, he wrote that. It was on TV about... In 1991, we were already in the Premier League. Well, waste (laughs) the fucking time. Should we have spent so heavily in the past? Probably not. But we lived the dream. Every day, we're all gonna say we love you, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds, everywhere, we're gonna be there, we love you, Leeds, 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 marching on together, we're gonna see you win, na 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 na, we are so proud, we shouted out loud, we love you, Leeds, 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 it's the anthem of Leeds United AFC. <laughs> Unlike many football songs that are just new words set to existing music, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds is an original composition by Les Reed and Barry Mason, and first appeared in 1972 as the B-side of the record released by Leeds United to coincide with the team reaching the 1972 FA Cup final. The vocals on the original recording were sung by the then members of the Leeds United team and their supporters, like me. The record stayed in the UK singles chart for almost three months, peaking at number 10. Hey, proper, proper charts. 
The song is played just before kickoff and at the start of every second half at every home game at Elland Road. And it's a ritual for every Leeds United fan to stand up and sing when it's played. So, here we go with Leeds United! We're gonna give the boys a hand! Stand up and sing for Leeds United! They are the greatest in the land! about that. I like the whole thing uh, a bit, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the bit right at the start with the sort of woodwind instruments, it doesn't sound like a, you're about to listen to a, a football record, does it? No. It sounds more like Michael Nyland. It's quality. Yeah. That's what that is. Is it? Yeah. 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 Now, to be fair, that, that song you just heard there is um, digitally remastered and was re-released by oh. Leeds. Is that the remix, is it? Oh, it's not a remix, it's the same song, but it was remastered. The dubstep, 12-inch <laughs> But it was released in May 2010 um, on a, in an effort to get us into the chart. And the yeah. song charted at number 10 again. Did it? Uh, it did, yes. And, and it celebrated our promotion to the championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently... Now, go on. Sorry, Les Reed and who wrote that song? Les Reed and Barry Mason. Les Reed, the ex chart manager. Oh, I should think. Presumably. I don't think there are any others. Look, this is my QPR, the greatest CD. Why do we have to look at this again? Track number two. Yes. Barry Mason. Written by Barry Mason. This is 
Uh, Rangers, Rangers, what are you going to do? Uh, no. Give them the old one-two. Hey, hey, no, hey. What, Have you got years here? Who, 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 that's who, who, uh, that's who, who, by the... The man's a turncoat. 1974 QPR score. Okay, he's gone to you two years after us. Right. Oh. I mean, it's not glowing, I think, because we weren't really doing much in 1974. We were. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, 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 won the league. Yeah, you were kicking people up, up, up the far <laughs> left, right, centre, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, interestingly, that song, um, in 2012, I've got this written down here, so it must be true, the uh, fans of the Minnesota Twins, now you, you'll know the Minnesota Twins, because you're, you're well, both base, of them. baseball they're, fans. Are they baseball? Right. Yeah. Okay. No, as, a, as am I, as you yeah. Yeah. Minnesota Twins, they've started to use that song, um, totally the same, adapting the lyrics, <laughs> instead of saying Leeds United, they say Minnesota. And it's saying, we love you Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota. No, 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 instead of Leeds, 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 it's Twins, Twins, Twins. Of course it's Twins, Twins, Twins. I don't know if I'm happy with that. Have they re-recorded it or they just use the Leeds version? They sing it in the crowd. Right? That's a strange... How did they ever get that? I don't know, but I'm not happy about it. And that's why Cincinnati Reds will always be in my heart. And Minnesota Twins can fuck right off. Yeah, fuck you, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota and your... Prince, if you're out there watching the baseball... You can fuck off. You and your twin. Well, yeah. Prince, should, Prince should do his own song, shouldn't he? He should come to the Leeds United. And do a song. Yeah. And we're appealing for offside. The Germans and they're in trouble. Alcantara couldn't do it. Lineker probably could. And he and the equalised. It's Gary Lineker. The 1990 World Cup, I think, is the best in popular memory. Uh, and a lot of people have been talking in the media yeah. recently about the World Cup highlights. And this tournament had my World Cup highlights. But let's go to the beginning. After a couple of dour, grim games playing negative, boring football and eking out draws, the manager agreed with the players to change tactics and embrace a more positive system of football, the sweeper system. This freed up what proved to be the most creative midfield we had ever known. Gascoigne, Platt, Waddle, Barnes and Beardsley. The performance in this tournament led to the whole squad becoming legend and unfortunately to Gary Lineker, becoming a staple of British television. <laughs> Off the pitch, it was a great tournament as well. It's perhaps the last tournament where people went out to Italy en masse and chanced their luck about getting in, rather than travelling on FA-approved travel club with corporate membership. This led to thousands of young English fans taking over cities and partying hard around the games, and yes, having the odd punch-up. Back home, by the time the semi-final, everyone I know had become a football convert, and about 20 of us gathered in someone's front room to watch the game. And here was my World Cup highlight. Because the whole room was focused on an England victory, except one person, who was practising that pixieish habit of pretending to support the other side, because they didn't much care for football, and of course, because this would wind everybody up. This became increasingly grating as the game progressed, and this broke at some point in the second half, and out of nowhere, a full can of lager flew across the room and hit the offending individual full in the face. A consensual murmur of approval circulated in the room, and nothing more was said of the incident. And that's my World Cup high. <laughs> the World Cup song also crystallised how fantastic this tournament was. The band was formed after seeing the Sex Pistols play at the legendary Lesser Free Trade Hall gig, they were all from really working-class backgrounds. They have spearheaded an indie rock post-punk revolution with an uncompromising sound. The lead singer committed suicide. They changed their sound and merged the latest music coming from the happening New York scene and brought it back to the UK. They were hip. 
They were teamed with one of the edgiest comedians who had been thrown off late night TV for allowing aggression and violence. And most of all, he loved football. Together they penned the best World Cup song ever because they realised what football is about. And for all the talk of football being about art, which is sometimes true, it's more than that. Football is about love. And New Order and Keith Allen brought it all together when they sang, Love's Got the World in Motion. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch.
Right, well, um, I haven't heard that song quite well, and I, I wasn't sure whether I was still going to like it, but I did. No, I, yeah. I, I did still like it. Um, I found out, actually, that there are only six England players singing on that record. Uh-huh. You're going to ask, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Who are they? Well, I know who's in the video. Yeah, the video isn't necessarily true. Right, well, Gas- Gascon's in the video. Yeah, he's on it. Uh, Waddle, De- Des- Waddle Walker's in the video. Yes, Waddle. Uh, obviously, Barnes. Walker. Barnes. Oh, yeah, obviously. Two more. Um, Beardsley's in the video. Yeah, he's yeah. on it. He's on it as well. Um, Lineker wouldn't be there, would he? No, no way, no. No, he's, he's down the golf, isn't he? Playing golf. Yeah, um, yeah. One more. Platt uh, wouldn't be in it, I don't think, no. Uh, it wasn't either of the QBR players that went to that tournament, Seaman or Parker. No. Um, mm. Liverpool player. Uh, oh, we've done Beardsley, haven't we? Oh, not much air. Steve McMahon, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, there you go. There you go. That's, that's it, that's so all. So obviously the video was filmed in the North West. It does sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guess. That's what we got the ones who were, who were local and Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It makes me a little bit sad, that, that uh, song, because I, I had uh, uh, an England New Order World in Motion t-shirt, uh, which was, I was given uh, at the time, I worked in H and B in in those days, and every single member of staff was given a T-shirt to wear oh, cool. on the day that that was released. And I had it for many many years. Wore it to lots and lots of England games. Uh, I took it to um, Japan and South Korea when I went there to see the World Cup. I wore it at England Sweden, the opening England's first game in that tournament, and. Uh, much coveted by then I was getting loads of people at the England match mm. offering me quite a lot of money oh, that's a great t-shirt come yeah. on buy it I'll give you you know 60 quid or whatever and somewhere along the way I think it, it's got lost I think it's probably you know there's probably some uh, I think it got lost in South Korea and on a floor of a hostel so there's probably some uh, mm. South Korean old South Korean lady wandering the streets of uh, Daegu wearing that t-shirt with no idea of the relevance of it well, we've got to find her. Yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, old lady, <laughs> we want. We want. Oh, she's listening. Give me that That's for our Korean audience. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This is time for a takeover. Oh. I've had enough of this. Now I've waited long enough. There's no way, no fucking way that we're going to do one of our podcasts without a Robert Pollard oh, song. Yeah. It's time for oh. a takeover by the Takeovers. With their, from their album Bad Football, here's Robert Pollard with Little Green Onion Man. to the Green Nation. 
Whilst exiting the shower the other week, I thought, the FA haven't done a World Cup song. And I thought, well, that, that's quite poor, they isn't it? They haven't they? Sadly, I found out they had. It's got to be a Gary Barlow, isn't it? It's, of course. Of course it's Gary Barlow, yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and knowing that it was Gary Barlow, I thought, well, that's a shame. Yeah. Who's Tax-paying Gary Barlow, are you referring to? Uh, yeah. Well, the limited tax-paying Gary yeah. Barlow, yeah. Thing, I mean, the the king of the cardigan, you know, thing the fella. Is, thing is, with Gary Barlow, uh, you know, whatever he said, whatever he did, he didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he, that's he's a, a Gary Barlow lyric. Yeah. Yeah. That's a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Back for good. Yeah. yeah, he won't give it back. Yeah, for good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. enough of Gary Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, enough of Gary Barlow, because because we thought that's not good enough. That's not good enough. There's been some great World Cup songs. And, and who can save us? Who can save this country from mediocrity? Who can save the FA from themselves? Who can save us from the suits? We can. We can. We can do it. We, we can. Can we? Can we? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Just get so some So what do words. we do, Rebel? What do we do? Well, I, I, penned, I penned a few lyrics that I thought were amusing and I thought captured the zeitgeist, the World Cup, uh, and, I, and I sang the, the, a, a tune over the top with my guitar. You say a tune. Exactly, this was the yeah. problem. This was the problem. <laughs> and I sent it to Sharif saying, can you, can you please save us? Yeah. <laughs> what happened then? As a musician well, of the group. Yeah. The, well, then I, I took your lyrics mm? and, and wrote a different, completely different tune. <laughs> you did. You uh, did. Yeah, I recorded it. And, and it's, it's our official song of the World Cup. Absolutely. It, no, sorry, it's the country's official. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. England's World Cup song. That's official. You heard it here first on the Trust the Wizards podcast. We could say the title of the song. (laughs) Win it for the pensioners. There was a time when England's players were just like me and you. For them at charity golf club fates, but now they are all superstars with mansions out of town. If 
that's all from this Trust the Wizards World Cup special. I think we've sorted out all the different arguments around the World Cup. Uh, and so it only remains for me to say goodbye from Rebel Rickett. And also, goodbye from Shavitha Garbanzo. Why not, Jay? And, last but not least, goodbye from Mr. Kicker of Hells. Good night. Now, don't forget to stay tuned or return to this same web space for the next World Cup special where we'll have to, part two, where we're going to have the musical World Cup. The knockout rounds. Then we'll be going through the group stages, knock it around, right through to the final. That's what the your team will. 